square fielder. He's gone to the dogs. Welcome, friends, to the 100th anniversary podcast of Gone to the Dogs. It's really hard for me to believe that I've been doing this podcasting game now for more than four years. I couldn't believe it. I started with my very first podcast, didn't even know what one was really, back in May of 2019 with Chris Powell. We started the Houndsman XP podcast, and we did 54 episodes of that one together and then I started the what I called the Nightlife Nation podcast and uh, did that one for 65 episodes and then uh, decided to, to take off on my own. And uh, we started this Gone to the Dogs with W Hunting Supply, and now we're recording our 100th episode. It's so... Uh, so gratifying to know that you're still with me. Um, I know that you probably get tired of this old voice. It gets more gravelly every year, but I do enjoy visiting with you every week. And uh, this podcast debuted on September 27th of 2021. And man, it took off like a rocket by the first six months of uh, 2022. The podcast was averaging 3,201 downloads per episode. That was over 23 episodes. So I'm really so thankful for everybody that listens in, thankful to the good folks out at W Hunting Supply, uh, dusupply.com. They can provide anything that you want for your hounds or your hunting activities. Just appreciate them so much. Well, in anticipation of this 100th anniversary podcast, I wanted to bring two very, very special friends of mine to the microphone uh, to to talk with you today. And uh, we've been visiting here already a little bit before I push that red button. But my, my guests today are uh, Lee Kearns from South Carolina and Johnny Brinkley from Florida. Now, these, uh, we go back a long time. In fact, Lee and Johnny go back farther than I do uh, with them. And uh, just, uh, they told me it'd be all right if I told you their ages. Johnny just had his 90th birthday back in August. Uh, well, this is August, August 19th. And we sure enjoyed a great birthday celebration there at the, the lovely home of uh, he and Laquita's son, Doug, there. Uh, land that we hunted on for many uh, years. Uh, Lee first took me up there. And then Lee Kearns is 84 today. So with that, I'm going to wish you a happy birthday, Lee, and, and ask you how you doing. Doing well. Doing well, Johnny. I just couldn't be no happier. Uh, well, actually, I'm Steve. You called me Johnny, but that's all uh, right. Johnny, I'm sorry, Steve. <laughs> Well, folks, I'm going to tell you both. It's usually Johnny talking. (laughs) It's usually Johnny talking. Now, Johnny, he started already on you. He sure has. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know one thing. When these guys get together, it's never a dull moment. So I'm hoping that some of that will come forward in our podcast today. But, fellas, I just wanted to get with you. Man, every time that I've ever been with you two, characters i've had a good time 
lots of laughs, lots of good stories, lots of smiles. And, you know, I think that's kind of the secret. You know, I know I'm the junior uh, member here of this trio. I'll, I'll be 77 in October. But none of us are spring chickens, but yet we've somehow managed to keep our sense of humor and uh, all. And uh, it's just so good to be with both of you. Uh, I'm going to ask you, and either one of you can jump in uh, on this one. How long have you been hunting? Johnny, can you remember how long you've been hunting or when you first started coon hunting? Yes, sir. Uh, I was born and raised in South Georgia, and uh, I had coon hunted, I mean, possum hunted for a while. There were no coon in South Georgia uh, at that time, not in our area. We, we uh, The first coon track I ever seen, I think, when I was 14 or 15 years old, and uh, but we did possum hunt some, well. When I got grown and uh, forgot about hunting for a while, and uh, Miss Quigger made me forget it for a good while, <laughs> and uh, then I started hunting. My my brother, that was three years older than me, he he hunted religiously. He never hunted in a hunt in his life or nothing. I uh hunted in some local hunts at one time, and uh, I really thought I could win the Grand American. You know, that's the first big hunt I ever went to. Uh, There's nothing close to Florida except that hunt, and uh, I got up there and decided I didn't have as good of dogs as I thought I had, you know, (laughs) but I enjoy every bit of it, Steve. I do, and, and I I enjoy talking to the young people, and and uh, they uh, they don't pay much attention to me. But <laughs> there was many years that when a dog treed, you went to the tree and you saw you saw something or or a hole or a nest or something. Most of the time, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then we run through this area where there was a lot of trees that. The dogs got there before the coon, I guess, but <laughs> well, it didn't. Uh, but I still enjoyed it. I, I I got to where I didn't like the hunts too good because I was running a shop and uh, the uh, folks don't think there's a lot of lot of things to worry you when you're the boss, but that's when it gets to be. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's let Lee jump in here just a minute. I want to ask him the same question here, and we'll get that. And then, but uh, Lee, what about you? Do you remember how it started? Yeah. Steve, I don't really remember the the, the first time I I uh, I was raised up in a family of, of six boys. So, and I'm being the youngest, uh, yeah. I just fell in line as as they hunted because. All of them were outdoors. They hunted, fished, or did something. But mm-hmm. I, I do remember that uh, I was uh, six years old, and uh, my brother had a trap line uh, on a 
small creek that well, it wasn't a real small creek, it went in Kentucky River. And uh, he had, he took me with him. And uh, I was six years old because I was in the first grade. I remember that so well. And uh, he caught a mink. Hmm. And between me and the mink, he brought us back. And he scanned <laughs> this mink. And this was somewhere around 19, well, it was 1946. And and uh, to, to watch him skin up the mink. And I, from that day on, I just, I wanted to go hunting. I just wanted to, to go and. And when I was nine years old, uh, I, we lived a, a, a farm, obviously had a dairy. And uh, I can remember getting in, out of school and we had a dairy, taking care of the chores and, and going hunting. And uh, my mother had a 410 shotgun. It was a single uh, shot and it had uh, two and a half inch shells, not the mm-hmm. three inch. Mm-hmm. And I would come home from school, and and I was I know I was nine years old because we moved to another farm that year, and I would get that 410, and me and this old black dog would take off and go somewhere, like Johnny said, possum hunting. I never saw a coon till I was, I don't know, 11 or 12 years old, but I I don't remember any specific day. I just remember getting things done and grabbing the gun and the dog. Yeah, and, well. That was probably about my experience too. You know, of course, I hunted with my dad, but and I could, yeah. I, I can remember the first time, and I wrote about it in my book. I called it the musky smell of mules. We rode yeah. mule back on my grandpa's yeah. draft mules, put a, a, a feed sack over their back, and yeah. uh, a cur dog. And I think I was about three years old at the time, but I can remember. I can't remember details about it. But I can remember that hunt. So yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Well, I want to get into a little bit more of your individuals. But when did when did you and well, I'll let Johnny have this one maybe if he remembers. Do you remember when you first met Lee, Johnny? Yes, sir, I did. It was right outside of the barn where they showed the dogs at the Grand America, and and he had a he had rowdy on the lease. I mean, he had told Rowdy to go lay down by the barn while we was waiting to go. And to my amazement, Rowdy did it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was really impressed with his dog. I surely was. And at that time, I asked him, like most people, most people didn't think Lee hunted much. And they felt the same about me when I went to showing the dog, you know, off. But uh, uh, I asked Lee, did he hunt the dog much? And he said, well, he's 17 months old. I believe that's correct. And he's a grand night champion. I said, uh-huh. Uh, do you ever breed him? He said, yes, sir. He, I said, well, I would like to get me a puppy coming towards Tallahassee. Uh, when you breed him again. And like I say, I was really impressed with the dog, and he made some good comments about Sam. And uh, okay, a just... lot of people didn't didn't like plot dogs at that time much, or they had a bad reputation in my country. But, uh, yeah, well, folks, what Johnny's talking about there is that 
capital city Sam dog that he ultimately won the UKC World Show yes, with, sir. and and I want to talk about him in detail uh, here in a little bit. Lee, what do you remember about your first meeting with Johnny? I don't exactly remember that particular one. I just remember uh, uh, I remember Quita and Johnny coming to the shows, and they were always just you know header dogs ready. They they didn't come unprepared, and 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 each each time you saw Johnny or uh, he won, he was he was so grateful, and he won a lot with. Not only Sam, Sam and Son too. Son was uh, equally as, as as good as Sam in my eyes. But uh, Johnny and Quita were just special people. I mean, we can't leave Miss Quita out. She was always there. And- <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, I, I believe you were the guy that always requested the coconut cake when we went down to Johnny and Laquita's. Wasn't that right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I re- remember. I remember at the uh, winter class one day. I hadn't, hadn't known him too long, and uh, uh, we'd had a little episode with uh, 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 a dog I bought out of Texas. And uh, here comes Miss Quita in with this great big coconut cake. And man, I think everybody there had a piece of coconut cake at the at the winter class. You just don't see that now. But, I, I wish we could go back to those days. Yeah, I love coconut cake, but, man, she can make it, too. Oh, my goodness. Well, it's her birthday right there after Winter Classic, isn't it, Johnny? It- yeah, so that's what he was talking about, a little thing to have. They really treated us nice. They, they, uh, they, it was Queen's birthday, and we all, you know, checked into the same motel there, and the... The lady, about 8 o'clock, the lady from the desk called and said, we need to see y'all in the office down here. Said the credit card you gave us is no good. And, uh, (laughs) oh boy, I didn't like that none. So we go to the office and and I asked the lady what's wrong. And she said, well, you need to go in this private room and let us discuss it. But when we opened the door to the private room, that was Lee and his wife and several of the people singing happy birthday to us. Oh, uh, <laughs> that sounds like a Lee Kearns trick to me. <laughs> it sure was. It was really good to me because, like I say, Quita, Quita is what makes this outfit here. And, uh, <laughs> it was really good for her, too. Yeah, she looked so pretty at that uh, party that you had here about a couple weeks ago, and so yes, so good to to see her again. Well, Lee, you're the guy that's responsible for for me uh, really getting to know Johnny and uh, and all that. Do you remember how that first hunt that we took and and uh, any of that circumstance? I, I remember uh, that you were with PKC at the time. I think, weren't you? Yeah, I think so. And and we uh, you had the, you had the hunt there in Thomasville, Georgia, and yeah, we went, the Sunshine Jamboree. Uh, yes, and mm-hmm. we went to Johnny and Quita's and and hunted on I think Wednesday and Thursday night both. Uh, did we not? And I uh, think so. 
I, I remember the, the trip that we were down there when David, um, David McKee came and, uh, you guys uh, treated me pretty badly. And we, uh, <laughs> uh, we, we, we were honey. Remember David had the kidney stones. If you remember. Oh boy. Yes, yeah, sir. I do. Yeah. You remember that? Mm-hmm. Had, had a stent and everything. And, and, uh, the four of us were hunting and we couldn't get, uh, David's dog round, wound it up. And, and you had that, uh, thing with the Thomasville schools which where the red fern grows and Johnny spoke up as he always does and said David uh, you 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 go on back to the to the house and, and we'll get your dog and and uh, Steve he said well I got to go to the uh, uh, red fern grove presentation tomorrow and uh, 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 I'm going with David and y'all you know I got my dog so we <laughs> We get to Johnny's house and you, I got there late, and and you guys are taking all the beds and I slept on the couch. Well, it was like four o'clock when it's like four o'clock when Johnny and I caught David's dog and got there and I'm laying on the couch and hour and a half later, five thirty, Steve shaking me saying, "Come on, Lee, go with me, go with me. Where are we going, Steve? We're going to do the presentation." And then, here we go, and, and it wouldn't even feed me. He told me McDonald's got me a biscuit. <laughs> they do that if you remember that presentation. Oh, I but, do very well. We had, we it was fancy at the time, and and because I was showing her to Winter Classic, and and uh, uh, they took her all through the school. Some of the kids had her, and uh, yeah, I remember that very well. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, you know, with friends like that, Lee, you know, you don't need any enemies, right? <laughs> well, you know, those are that's just the tip of the iceberg of all the good times that we had down there. And, yeah, we did. Oh, yeah. Uh, we confused some school kids because I think they were waiting to see Red Bones and we bring in the Walker dog. But anyway, that was a great time, and, and I'll always remember that, too. For sure. For years, for years, Shirley and I went down to Thanksgiving. We we celebrated Thanksgiving. I get fifteen, maybe twenty years with Johnny Quita. I was down there in, in HL, and and we were uh, frying turkeys uh, back, and the whole group of people, seventy five or more, and I said, Johnny, how many people are kidding yours? He said, Lee, half of them. I don't even know. <laughs> Is that true, Johnny? Listen, uh, if he keeps on talking, I know a lot about him now, so he better be. I told her that I didn't think I need to call him, and that's being hard-headed, I know, but uh, she called him, and he said he would come, and then he called back and talked to me about it was on July the 28th when his wife passed away, and he said that's too close to that date that... Mm. Yeah. I, I got too many memories about how we all enjoyed ourselves, and uh, yeah. I just can't come. So. I see. Well, you know, the uh, thing I remember, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Johnny, but the thing I remember most about that first trip, 
Now, I guess it was Doug or somebody had taken the four-wheeler trailer, the little yes, utility, sir, and hooked so, it on the back of a four-wheeler yes, and pulled us all down in the, in the swamp there or down to one of the ponds or somewhere. I remember right. H.L. had a, a, a young black dog that treed good that night, and yes, I remember sir. hearing that. But I, I remember, Lee, that your son Lenny was with us. Yes, and uh, you, who else was in that in that group that night? Do you remember, you guys? I, I, yeah. I really don't remember where the folks from Alabama was here or not. Uh, you know, uh, the one that had the the uh, soul, the dog stuff. What was his name? From Joe Joe something? From- oh, oh, Alabama Supply. Yes, sir. Yeah. Right. Uh, he uh, wasn't here, but he knew some people that was here, mm. and uh, they they came and stayed a couple of days with me. They brought the camper and stayed, and we hunted. And uh, uh, Joe called me later and told me he said that man told me he never seen a bunch of hunters like y'all said. We got out over there to the woods, and everybody got out with a machete but Johnny, and he got out with two. (laughs) (laughs) That was Joe. But we had a good time. We enjoyed it. And uh, you remember when when the black gold man was here? Yeah, yeah. And we went over there with high expectations and never treated a coon that night. (laughs) John Allen. John has since sold the... uh, Black gold dog food, and I still hear from him occasionally on social media. You know, I'll get a message or something. Yeah, great guy, great fella, and he he never forgot coming down there and hunting with you. And uh, were you there then, Lee? Were you there when? Yeah, yeah, I I remember. I remember John. He had he he had bought a pair of new boots. They were those knee uh, knee boots. And every every step he took in the swamp was within an inch to the top of him. <laughs> and I was walking behind him. I said, "He's going to get it. He's going to get it. Next step. Next step." And and lo and behold, he never did go over his boots. He never got over those new boots. All right. Yeah. Oh, really? The Florida with knee boots on, and and you're going to be in trouble. I'll tell yeah. you that. Now. Billy, you know Billy Roberts. He yeah. he sold the dog food. And when he came up, John came up to his house one time. He uh, brought him over here to the house. Billy uh, told him that I had judged fox dogs in the past. And he, of course, he had the world champion fox dog a time or two, I think. And mm-hmm. he was real interested in that and where I oh, showed it, I mean, where I judged. And, uh, yeah. We got to be pretty good. Uh, he he brought us a country ham. I remember. And uh, there was a whole bunch of people here for that, Lee. You remember? <laughs> yes, I do. We ate that ham in, in, in about thirty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, the uh. next year, he said he wasn't coming. Uh, he asked me, "Was I coming to all the most?" And I said, "Yeah." But he said, "Well, I'm not going to go." But he said, I'm going where Lee Curran is, and and I'll take the ham to Lee and let him bring it home. 
I said, well, wrap that sucker up good and tight. And, <laughs> <you know. laughs> and he did. That's what happened again. And we sure enjoyed that. And we joined the camaraderie about it, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, there's we, just some... We didn't have no fusses about the dogs. And I remember one thing you always said before we turned out. said, we need to take some pictures now while we all speaking to one another. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that never uh, happened, I don't no, think. not at all. But I tell you what, we sure did have some fun times. That's where so many uh, stories roll go. out of there. I, it, it's just incredible. And I go back and I do have those pictures. And and there's an uh, old gentleman over and he's passed on now. And maybe you met him when in your black and tan days, Johnny, uh, Mr. Fred Sanders from over there in North I, Mississippi. I sure never did, and I wish I had. Now, yeah, sure. he was, uh, Mr. Fred was in his 80s, I believe, when I first went to the White River Refuge, and right. I met him through our buddies, all of us know nothing more, right. and, uh, but Mr. Saunders would get so aggravated at when we get ready to turn the dogs loose, I'd be taking pictures. Uh-huh. <laughs> And he didn't like that. No, oh, and, and and one night, and the, the boys still quote this all the time when they when I get out of can get the camera out over there or get my phone. He said, "Huh, we'd have done treat two or three coons if it wasn't for this <laughs> damn movie shoot." He said, <laughs> <laughs> "Hey, uh, hey, they, uh, people, people are funny, but I tell you now, we we." Uh, we, I always have enjoyed. I, I don't know whether yeah. that was one of my passwords. Yeah. If you come here and enjoy yourself and and, and everything, uh, you're welcome to come back. If you come down here beating and stomping your dog and carrying on, then <laughs> I will tell you when we get to the gate that we had a good time, and that's about it because. Yeah. That ain't why I coon hunt. Right. Was, a dead coon was no good to me. Uh, and I killed a bunch before I learned that you don't need to kill all them coons. Right. Okay. Well, you know, Lee and I had gotten together before those days. I believe, yeah. Lee, you, Lee, you were helping me, me and, and were a tremendous help in getting the PKC Bench Show program That's started. Right. And I don't remember what year that was, but I went to PKC in 98. So I, I don't remember. It wouldn't have been very long it, after. It, it, was, it was 99. It was, uh, yeah. it was in 99, John, uh, Steve, there. I don't uh, – uh, I think you were – you started at Extravaganza or something. Was the yeah, first we did that bench show Extravaganza there in yeah. – uh, did yeah. you judge that, Johnny? Which, where at, was it at? Lee? At there at Aurora, Kentucky, on the lake. Yes, sir. It, I it, went it. to it. I sure did twice. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, well, I enjoyed the PKC people and and all, and uh, I never hunted PKC. I uh, I I just didn't really feel good, and I didn't get. I don't guess I had a good enough a dog, but they were. They were good people, and and uh, now you're talking about uh, 
black gold man. John and, Allen. And all of them. And uh, I don't know why, but I, I, I just seen people like you and David and Lee and that I liked. And I liked the way they did, you know. And, of course, I was very lucky because I surrounded myself, I think, all them people you saw at that party, they didn't come down there to stand in the heat. They didn't. They they were. We had. They have been impacted out of life some way, and yes. and us and I I sure appreciate that. Well, yeah, for sure. Well, I wanted to get back just a minute because I want to thank Lee publicly for that because I couldn't have done that at all without your help, bud. But. We what we you would bring the benches and help set up the rings and and right. all kinds of stuff. Line up the judges and the, yeah, know, the, 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 and then you and I, when we'd get a chance, we'd go pleasure hunting some. And right. yeah, and that's yeah. when you had uh, Rowdy and Boomer, and yeah. uh, had some good hunts. I remember. <laughs> I don't know whether I ought to get into this or not, but. What do y'all remember about that pleasure hunt we had at Autumn Oaks that year? I certainly do. Two <laughs> old men up a tree. <laughs> oh, boy. I never have told Shirley about that. <laughs> yeah. I will. Yes, you did. The, the next day, you said you were still scared. The next day that uh, we were in, in the middle of Indiana and and. Two old idiots up a tree. If one of them would, were to fall out, he would knock the other one out, and you would have no idea uh, where you were. Well, now, I'm not owning up to climbing that tree because it would have been bad if the, the guy that was running that hunt had caught climbing a tree in Indiana during – during the I, off season, so I, I, my memory's real fuzzy about that. But. I, I remember uh, that I knew you was a real coon hunter when we got back to the van, and you told Todd that them dogs were twice as far as we thought they were. That's the reason it took so long. <laughs> I remember that, and I, and, and up until that time, I didn't think that the Steve Fielder would would. Tell something that wasn't so. But, uh, oh no, surely not. <laughs> in there, but that 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 was the one highlight of of, of all of my uh, travels and everything. That was it was just so so much fun. Everything was just I, I don't know uh, uh, to have people like that. It made it all worthwhile to, to be, for sure to be able to sit here and talk to you two guys. It, it just made everything. My wife was not big into the dogs. She loved them, took care of them, fed them, everything. But you go hunting, you go, uh, you go to to the hunts, you go wherever you want to go. Uh, I'll do my thing, and and it worked out well for us because uh, uh, we, I had two dogs in in my life that uh, you better never say nothing about, and one of them was Boomer. And uh, the other one was, I guess, the first dog we had when we got married. <laughs> but uh, she, she she was always there for me. And, and, and 
just like next week at Autumn Dope, you know, hey, you're going. And she's been sick, but I just told Steve she's going. So to have friends, yep. the whole thing, I wouldn't have traded for any other thing I could have, I, any other thing I could have got into, I guess. It, it, it's my dogs. And, and, and people say, why do you, why do you uh, coon hunt? It's not necessarily a coon hunt. You know, I don't love coons. But I love to see the dogs work and the people I'm meeting along the way. Well, for sure. And, you know, and there was one other story um, that it's kind of escaping my, my mind right here. It'll come back to me, Lee. That I, Oh, oh, I know. I, and I don't think Johnny was with us that night. You remember when we went over with Eddie over there across the Ohio line? Yes, he was. Johnny was. Was Johnny with us that night? What do you all remember about that deal? (laughs) I I remember remember Dan, Tree, and the Possum there on that hillside. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we did. I took some pictures of Dan that night. Boy, what a. He could sell it now. I mean, that was a three dog. Yeah. Old Dan, we uh, Dan was out of Silver Dollar Stone, the PKC World Champion. Yeah, and, Dan. Uh, yeah. But he, uh, I don't know what the same night or not. I went. We went over there twice with those two young fellows. Yeah. I saw boys, young. I called them boys then, but uh, one night, Lee, I don't know what dog you hunt. But we never treated a coon. Absolutely, a lot of them. And, and that, <laughs> that was par for the course, wasn't it, guys? <laughs> yeah, that wasn't nothing unusual. <laughs> and the last tree they made was not far from the truck. And I stayed at the truck, and one of the young men stayed at the truck. And we had a great discussion, and I'll tell that some later, but... Uh, uh, you came back to the truck with your dogs, and I asked you as you got started around the truck, I said, uh, Lee, did you see him? He said, yeah, there was two. And I, no, I didn't ask him, did you see him? I said, did they have a coon? He said, yeah, they had two. I said, well, that is great, you know. And he went on down and went to open the box, the dog box, the lid, and he said, I didn't see them, but I know they were there. So, <laughs> Everybody had a big laugh about that. Yeah. Well, the thing I was remembering was the night that uh, that was Eddie Johnson, uh, oh, well, that, the fella that, that we hunted with over there. Wasn't that right? In that, I know it's Eddie, but I, I, I'm thinking his last name is Johnson. He'll forgive me because he came down. He and his family came down to Florida, and he called me, and we went out to lunch, and he bought my lunch, and uh, we just had a great time. Uh, visiting and all, and I still see him at Autumn Oaks every year. But that one time, we had some landowner down there wasn't too happy about us being there hunting. And uh, as I recall, a gun went off a time or two. On yes, that sir, hunt. I do remember that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. that, that, them was that we were with him. Was that the young boys, or that was a different man? No, Eddie uh, was a younger fella, probably, you were thinking about. Don't you think, Lee? And, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I remember that. And, and, uh, you know, I had went one time before with Ron Thomas mm-hmm. uh, somewhere up there, and the folks shot in the woods that night. Yeah. 
And I told Queen, I said, I ain't hunting up there no more. Them <laughs> folks, they might get lucky one of these nights. <laughs> well, I don't think there's probably, and I don't want to discourage anybody or, or put a bad light on the sport of coon hunting, but I doubt there's a coon <laughs> hunter under the sound of my voice that hasn't heard the sound of gunfire <laughs> one time or another out there at night. But that's one thing about hunting on the land down there at Tallahassee yes. is you didn't hear so, any of that stuff because the man I'm talking to owned the Whole, whole place we were hunting in. Or, but, uh, he owns the county. You know, uh, What's that, Lee? The man you're hunting with owns the county. He owns the whole no, county. <laughs> I don't know the county. But uh, I had a good good thing with uh, with most of the hunters around. In other words, after they got the lease and all the land, I still talked to the folks that had land around it. And... Uh, uh, of course, they would have liked to have a dog get over there so they could cuss me out, but that's about all they'd do. <laughs> Life's good. I tell you, and if you talk to people, most of them understand. Yeah, they do. They do. It's usually ignorance, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, if if I don't know something, I'm ignorant of it, and uh, right. they just don't understand. They they really don't. I, I, I think I think that's one thing that's changed about as much as the dogs and the equipment and everything that we hunt with is <laughs> people just today's people don't understand. Back when you asked me when I started hunting. Uh, ever farmer in the area now I don't guess they ever ask anyone uh, permission or anything but just drive up and go hunting they knew what you were doing they they didn't care and, and drive by and blow their horn at you and now I'm you know these people they if you went through the woods with a, a light on your head and they think you were searching for something crazy or something yes sir. yes yeah. sir. and I can understand them I mean, I can understand that. Well, yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's times are really bad now. I I remember coming out of the woods one night by myself, and I never came out to the truck, straight to the truck. I would come out down the road or whatever, and there was a lady game warden waiting on me when I come out and she was surprised that I didn't come out of the truck and she asked me did I get confused and I told her no ma'am that I uh, I was wanted to do that and uh, she said why I, she said ain't you scared to be over here hunting by yourself in them woods I said no ma'am not in them woods but when I get to the road I'm concerned about what's out there and uh she said, well, I never heard that, but uh, it got to where I, I was I was concerned about who would be at the truck when I got there, you know. But it ain't a good idea to go hunting by yourself, no way. I finally realized that. My wife was very wise to that for many years and told me about it, and I, I didn't think much about that. Well, I wouldn't. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't consider it really down here. Uh, but where I lived in Michigan, you know, you were never out of the sight of a of a yard light of a farm right. somewhere, you know. And right. uh, and those people were pretty much like 
uh, like you said, you know, they didn't care for your hunting. In fact, if I'd asked somebody about hunting, they'd say, well, I don't allow any deer hunting because of my son or whatever. He likes to hunt. I'd say, I'm not talking about your deer. I'm talking about the coons. Oh, man, kill every one of them you see. Come in here and have a cup of coffee, and I'll tell you about what they did to my crops last year. (laughs) Okay, yes, sir. So, you know, they welcomed coon hunters up there. In fact, I just talked the other day to a fella. I knew I hunted on his family's land, and he's a coon hunter. And I'm not going to say his name because I don't want to open the door to a lot of calls to him and all. But he told me, he said, come on back up, Steve, and I'll take you around and I'll show you some some of the good hunting, some of the same spots that you used to hunt. Because I'm afraid that many of my landowners, you know, were considerably older than I was when I was up there. So the situation's changed, I'm sure. But that's so important to be able. But I got to tell you my one little game warden story, and uh, I may have told it to you before, is uh, we had a a lady game warden in Michigan. Her name was Julie. And she checked me so many times, and she knew my truck. You know, I'd leave my – you had to leave your truck parked alongside the road most of the time. Sometimes you could drive back in a farm lane and, and park by the barn or whatever. But uh, I told her one night, I said, Julie, you've got to, we've got to stop meeting like this. People are going to start talking. <laughs> but, and she'd say, she'd see me coming, she'd oh, it's that coon hunter again. I said, well, who do you expect? They need same truck, same dog box, <laughs> you know, but she was doing her job. She was doing her it's, job. It's good. It's yeah. Uh, but now, like Lee said about not asking, or I came from in Georgia, uh, we hunted every farm around there. They didn't nobody else hunt hardly, and uh, you never asked nobody about it. They just, uh, and before my brother passed away, he got to where he had to carry a written permission to hunt on any land he hunted. And, uh, like, the game warden, the first night he went without permission, the game warden come to him and took him to the landowner's home and asked the landowner, did he have permission? And uh, I remember the exact words. is heck, no, he don't have permission. He, He was raised here. He's hunted here all his life. And they ain't nobody giving him permission. They all know he's going to hunt. And the <laughs> game warden said, well, you got to write him a letter. Or, or, And they had a good argument about that. The game warden thought it was as silly as the other man, but it was the law. So, Yeah, times have changed, changed, that's for sure. Well, fellas, I want to. I know there's a lot of great stories, and that's really what my listeners want to hear is those stories. But I want to let you, both of you, crow a little bit because you have been extremely successful in the show rings down through the years, both as judges and participants, and and had some really nice dogs. Uh, what, Lee? Let me throw this one to you. What? were your favorite dogs that you've had down through the years? Could you name two or three? Well, I, I've i had two or three. I, I would say that 
you know, uh, I like the lady dog. She was so smart that uh, Johnny brought to me out of Texas. And but um, I guess 1972, you know, Fred and I. You've you've heard this story before, but we um, borrowed a female that was out of Banjo too, and bred her to Fender River Joe and. And uh, Steve, this by Fred's passing, you know, Fred, uh, Fred Sims, and, and just like a brother to me, and and yeah. we went to Rushville, Indiana, took the female, and Fred was to get half the litter to take her and breed her, and uh, uh, pay the stud fee and everything, and and uh, uh, Mr. Lee Robinson run a feed mill in Lancaster, Kentucky, and. They were going to split the litter, litter here on the female. So Fred and I go over there. Uh, four weeks old. I like. I I was told years ago that four four weeks, four months, and in one year that if a puppy was raised properly, he'd have the same bone structure uh, that as a when he was a dog. Dog. And we went over and looked at puppies, and they came out of nine of them, and they came out, and they were so just beautiful, but. One female just come oh on. I said, Fred, you got to have that female. You got to get that female. I had nothing in the dogs. I was just uh, Fred was my hunting buddy. So when they got six weeks old, we went to get them, and uh, uh, we went out to the feed mill, and they were out back, and we go out and they come out, and uh, Mr. Robinson hadn't come out yet, and I said, Fred, you got to get that female there. So Fred, being the the the, the Fred he was, he said. Uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Lee, if you'll uh, uh, let me have that female there, I'll take four puppies and you can have five. And uh, we, uh, he said, "Oh, that's no problem." Uh, yeah, Fred. So Fred got the little female and and uh, uh, three other, two, another female and two males. Well, Fred knew I loved that female, and I had, like I said, had nothing in them, and. Just like a week or so for Christmas, this was in September. Uh, I come home. I work one Saturday. I come home. Fred said, uh, Charlie said, Fred brought you a puppy over. He lived next door to me. He said, he brought you a puppy over putting your pen. I went out there and there was Donna. And uh, he'd already named her. <clears throat> and and she, she just turned everything around for me from what I saw in dogs. She was smarter than I was. And, and just a, a coon train machine, nothing fancy, nothing loud, nothing screaming, nothing crazy. But I, I guess uh, I got a painting of her here on my barn still. And uh, she she never won any. Well, she won some shows and things around because I had a, my boys were all uh, playing sports and things. And I didn't have time to run all over the country. But I would say that when I think back, she was the one that my family grew up with. My kids did. They hunted her and everything. And and I think she could talk to you. She was that smart. And she set the stage for Rock and Rowdy and Boomer. They all heard that, you know, I have never bought a dog that was trained. I've trained all my dogs from puppies, every one of them, and to end on. And uh, she was amazing. I, I just think back at the times that uh, uh, I, I don't know if I've ever seen any animal uh, other than a couple of house dogs we had that was really that smart. 
and I can't stand a, a, a dumb dog. I, I just <laughs> cannot. I can't. I can't put up with a dog. It, you know me that I got to jerk around through the woods sure. and sure. everything. And, and she was totally trained, and and was beautiful too. There were two things that she had. Yeah, but I would I would say she was. And people say, oh, you had Boomer and Rowdy. Yeah, that's when I got on the scene and could go to the hunts and things. But uh, yeah. I, I I see dogs. Pardon me. I see dogs. I guess a little different from a lot of people from from my past. Is, is I, I don't never see the real reason to to lead a dog out of the woods. You tell him to come and go with me. You know, like mm-hmm. Johnny was talking about Rowdy. Let's go, and and it's time to go home. And that don't mean they don't hunt as hard as the next dog. But oh, I can uh, testify uh, how hard they'd hunt. <laughs> and I've waded creeks and stuff. I remember that one night we were hunting somewhere in Kentucky or Indiana or somewhere. Boomer was treed across the creek and over there, and had to wade the creek and all to go to him. Well, Lee, I'm going to have to get back over to Johnny here because Johnny, you told me that. Uh, You have a very special phone call coming up here in a few minutes uh, with your sister, who is an amazing, I believe you told me, 100 years old. Is that right, Johnny? She was 100 in in, uh, April. So we were lucky enough to go to her party in in Lakeland, Florida. And uh, Doug took us down there. Awesome. And uh, it's... uh, She's a wonderful woman. She sure is. But uh, anyway, she uh, she's not doing well. She's going downhill and laying in the bed. I, I uh, They called me and said they had talked to the doctor and the nursing home, and they had agreed that they could set up a phone call yeah. at 9 o'clock. Okay. Well, we want to make sure you make that, Johnny. But I want to give, and and we'll be praying for her for sure. But yes, I want sir. you to tell me about this old dog called Sam and how you got him and, and how Sam? you. That Sam dog. Sam? Yeah. Yes, Sam, uh, we can, I, we can talk about. Sure we could talk about these old black dogs and all, and we're going to do that in another episode well, I because. I tell you, the dog that Lee first <laughs> took to hunts was a little black dog. Yeah, yeah. He won't tell nobody that much, but. <laughs> well, and, uh, you anyway, uh, Sam, I would sure like to say that I had his mom and daddy and raised them and all, but not my neighbor raised some plot dogs. And I had furnished him. He was a bear hunter. And he, when he moved out here, I had a litter of black and tans. And he saw them when he come by the house. And he called me and asked me. I sent him one. I said, no, sir, but I would give you one. Uh, he asked me, would you run bear? I said, I imagine they would if you trained them. And Anyway, he called me, and he about two days later, he called me, and he said, this puppy acts lonesome. Could I get another one? I said, yes, sir. And, uh, well, later on in life, he bought him some plot dogs and and raised a litter, and he had to give me one. Well, I didn't really want no plot dog, but he gave us one. See what I go through, folks. 
Huh? <laughs> I said, see what I've gone through all my life. I took him, when he got big enough, I took him hunting and, and got him going really good. And uh, a tree dog that, like, I hadn't heard much at that time. He was a natural tree dog, but he would not open on tracks. He barked a couple of times. and that was I love it. him. And uh, so I told Walt that I wanted him to take him back and try him on bear. And uh, while I took him up there, I saw Sam in the pen. And uh, I looked him over, and I really liked him. And uh, I told him, I said, uh, well, when I started to leave, he said, do you think this dog is good enough to win some big shows? I said, I, I don't know, but... Uh, he said, take him to your house and, and work him and see what you think. Well, I took him down here, and he worked. At that time, he was a deputy sheriff, and he called me on Thursday night, and he said, I want to pick Sam up in the morning. I'm off on Friday, and I'm going bear hunting. I said, you may go bear hunting, but you ain't taking Sam. You know? <laughs> He said, uh, he's my dog. I said, he certainly ain't. He's my pen. <laughs> and uh, that's the way it happened. Saturday morning, he brought the paper down here and gave him the quiz. So <laughs> that's the way I got it. I believe Listen it. now, Sam would have been a, a really good coon dog. In other words, I treat a bunch of coon with him. And, uh, but you know, in Florida, you got cotton mouse and rattlesnakes and bears and everything else when you turn them loose it's very possible for something to happen to them so i quit hunting you know yeah he he served his purpose good and 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 we sure enjoyed him we probably never would have been no further north than tifton if it hadn't have been for sam All right. and we got friends in now you said it the other night and them people didn't believe it but what they don't understand is some of them shows that we showed at, there was people from every state there. Oh, yeah. And we we tried to meet everybody that looked like they wanted to meet somebody. And, uh, mm -hmm. and we do have friends, in, I think, in every state. Uh, well, that speaks for both of you fellas for sure. Very uh, recognizable in a crowd at a big event. Lots yes. of friends, and of course, that some of that comes with the years that we've been doing this. But the, but the main thing it comes from being the people that you are, and yes, and sir. the character that, is that absolutely the truth. Yep, and I, uh, I never knew, Steve. I had it in my mind the only people from up north, really north, was they were there, and and. Uh, the only ones I ever seen, I guess, was from the Bronx or somewhere. And they had forget about it. Forget yeah. about it. <laughs> and I worked on them, and uh, he didn't get so that. So when did we started did. to Ohio on the first trip, I told Quita, I said, I don't know how to act hardly up here. <laughs> but when we, we got that, back, we noticed that. <laughs> <laughs> when we got back. Well, I told Quita, I said, you know, those people that we're around here, 
they have trouble. They have money trouble. They have youngin' trouble. They have rough trouble just like we do. They all, they seem, they seem just like the people around here. And uh, that's the way I always felt from then on. And other people is not. Well, you know, you know that's that. one of the privileges I've had over the years of traveling all over the country, right. and, and you're right. People may sound a little different, and the way they're raised are a little different, and the way their their manners might not be exactly the way we were right. raised, but still, down deep, they're good people, and, and like you say, they have the same hurts and the same joys that we do and their people and and when we don't judge people just by the their cover you know and get to know know. second the third time i met lee he Mm -hmm. came to the georgia state uh where and i judged it and he had a pretty dog i don't know what dog he had but i found something that i didn't like about it and and I picked another dog, and uh, when the show was over, he kind of hung around the benches, and he came over and told me, he said, how long have you been judging? I said, well, a long, long time, pretty good time. He said, well, you found something, and there ain't no other judge ever found on this dog. <laughs> but it is the truth. I and, thought I was hiding it from you. I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I don't know where he talked to you about it, but he called Beth uh, and talked to her and two or three more, and I began to get calls to judge the big shows. So he he's responsible for that. Uh, I, guess. <laughs> I, I can I can tell you, uh, uh, Steve, of what what he is talking about. I uh, I was showing uh, Boomer, and Boomer was young, and of course Boomer won the AKC World at eleven months old, but he he was still. Uh, I could get him by and Boomer didn't track real well if you led him from your left side and I never knew why and Jan my daughter-in-law came down and I said and, and she had one of those video cameras back then we had to put it up on the screen and we we just led him in the driveway and and I found out that hey you lead Boomer on the right side and he traveled as well as any dog and and Johnny, uh, Johnny saw that. Johnny Johnny knew. Uh, I, I remembered well. Uh, but I, I gotta say one thing about Johnny and Quita. Uh, they, I went down early and I took Boomer and and Quita uh, <laughs> had her boots on and her camera and everything. And we took Son and and Boomer and and went hunting. And and both of them had one part of the world championships in the show. And I don't think that, you know, I've hunted with dogs all my life, some of the top dogs, uh, and, and saw what dogs do in the woods and and, and son. And they, they put on a, a program that any of those dogs would do. But then you turn around and you go to the show. And I just had a, a fellow at the Grand American this year. And, and this is a, a sore spot with me. I don't know why people feel this way. That uh, we, we uh, uh, Tommy Landing and I went out and, and got us a hot dog. We sat on the table, and and this fellow and a couple of younger kids come. Do you ever hunt any? You know, <laughs> and no. Right, right. See, that's the, 
that's the uh, comment <laughs> that Paul Sheffield made about Charco. Uh, yeah. He said when he picked him for the grand champion part, he said, if you don't hunt them, uh, they look good, you know. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> at that time, Charco was the only dog that I owned. And I hunted him every time I could go hunting. And uh, me and him had a discussion about it, and he came hunting with me. And from then on, me and him was buddies, I guess. I I, I never I, I never was uh, in a position to have a lot of dogs. And honestly, I never had a desire to have a lot of dogs. Right now, I got three, and I got two too many. But uh, uh, just I'm like Johnny. If if he eats my feed and and he's gonna hunt and and you know just like the guy I wanted to tell the guy yeah about a few years ago I won the face fourth here at the Grand American with Boomer who had just won the show the year before. And, yeah, well, I know that's been a pet peeve of you guys for the years, you know, because we've had many many conversations. Uh, the three of us and independently one uh, one on one but and I know and I'll tell the world and literally we do reach the world with these podcasts that you guys are about as hard hunters as I've ever hunted with when in the day uh, everybody under the sound of my voice is going to get older the way we are and they're yes, going to find out that you can't yes, do it at the level that you did back when you were a younger man it's just it it's physics it it that's just the way it works but and, uh, uh, you know if you go through life uh, if a man asks to do you hunting don't get mad don't get red faced just tell him yes sir I hunt him pretty often or, or something me and Ed Willis was sitting on a bench in Albany, not at the Winter Classic. It was at a regular hunt. And there was two young people, young men came by. And one of them said, there's a, a world of information sitting there on that bench. And the other one said, yes, sir, and if you'll stop, they'll tell you about it. <laughs> <laughs> I never forget that. Yeah. We so bad about that. Well, fellas, you know, man, I wish we had two hours here, but I promise uh, my listeners I'm going to wrangle these guys up again and get them back. I sure would appreciate that because Lee's got a lot of stuff he he needs. I know I have talked too much, but uh, we we certainly have enjoyed ourselves and and our life has been enriched by meeting people like y'all and and uh, they, uh, well, you just don't. Uh, I had a young man ask me the other day at the party if I had ever seen anybody plow on a mule. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, Yes, sir, I sure have for a lot. And he said, uh, Something else. And I said, That was me. I seen me plow the mule. He said, "No, you ain't plowing no mule." Yeah, I have too. <laughs> you know, I guys. Too, Lee. <laughs> let me tell you this, uh, I, real quick. I had say, uh, I had people remark <laughs> to me, some uppity people, that uh, they asked me what I done for a living, and I told them I was a mechanic. I worked on transmissions, and uh, 
They said, boy, that's a nasty job, ain't it? I said, well, you wouldn't think so if you'd ever picked cotton or shook peanuts. <laughs> you'd think it was a really good job. <laughs> and that's yeah. the truth. Well, you know. well, listen, I, I have two cousins that are the same age as me on my dad's side of the family. And my dad's sisters, uh, two different sisters, boys. And when I was yes. a kid, you know, we would go to Tennessee to the farm, to my grandparents' right. farm. That was our vacation. That was my Disney world. Okay. Right. But I was always envious of my two cousins because they'd be talking about how they got to plow with the mule. They got to, you know, learn to plow. My uncles or neighborhood, neighbor farmer or whatever uh, would let, showed them how to plow. And yeah. I always yeah. felt like I was left out, and I, and that frustrated me because I wanted to learn to do that too, but I never did. You, you didn't miss, Steve, you didn't miss out on nothing. We <laughs> raised tobacco, and that was our cash crop, and, and uh, you, you can't plow tobacco with a tractor because no, the hills run over the leaves. So when the leaves is what you sell, obviously, and, and you uh, have a mule, and uh, just one mule pulling one plow to the t- t- tobacco bed. And, and we had one mule that was crazy. We had two, and, and he was just, crazy old mule, but to get all the tobacco plowed, you had to lead the mule. You couldn't, one of them would walk through the road, you had to lead him. And I remember being eight years old, me leading that mule all day up and down <laughs> row of tobacco. And you know, the kids today, they get frustrated if you ask them to walk home from school. And, and you know, back then, kids, as soon as they're big enough to physically do work, they were required and expected to do work. My oh, dad well, said he hoed corn all day long there in Tennessee. Oh, for home fi- from school, nothing. They're yeah. too good to ride the bus now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. got to well, get in. Uh, the, you been in a car loop or drove by a school lately yeah. and see all, the, yeah, all them chauffeurs? Yeah, I do it daily. I do it daily. <laughs> yeah. You know, most folks now looks at a mule as a dumb animal. They talk about it. And a mule was pretty smart. Uh, you tell him the G, and he would move over some. You tell him the ha, he'd move the other way a little. And you tell him to stop, and he stopped. And you tell him to take a couple of steps, he'd take a couple of steps. Well, I don't know of many animals that you can train that good, but a good trained mule was like that. Oh, yeah. There's a picture hey, hanging on my wall right here over my shoulder it, that I had. It's, it's, Go yeah, ahead. I mean, it's, it's according to how you do the training. Uh, I, I uh, heard a story one time about this back in the day when the horse and buggy and this guy uh, just got married and him and his new wife were going on their honeymoon and uh, the horse made a bad turn. He got out and straightened the old horse up and, and hit him upside the head. Went on down a little farther, and the old mule made another bad turn. And, and the, the guy gets out, gets the horse on the right road, and hits him upside the head. I was on a little, or oh, each time I'm getting ahead of myself, he said, that's one. The next time, that was two. And he said, uh, the third time, he got out and got his gun and shot the old mule. And he gets back in the the buggy and his wife said that was awful and he said that's one so it's there how you, you, go. <laughs> how you do training. yeah well listen johnny we've got you down here to about three minutes till you need to yes, go sir, I was so, 
yeah. remind you because when they call, I, I don't want to, you know, be rude, but if they call, sure. I've got to stop and, and talk to her if she's able sure. to call. Well, buddy, I and, can't. Uh, yeah. Let's do this again. Oh, uh, absolutely. I'm for it. Anytime you fellows are ready. And, Lee, if you right. want to hang on for a little while, do you need to go now, too? Oh, no, I, I okay. Questions. All right. Well, Johnny, we're going to we're going to let you go and hope that everything goes well with your phone call with your sister. Thank you. Thank you. And, and thank you so much for coming on with us today. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to do it. And like I say, keep up with the bad things that Lee says about me because I got some things too. You know. Okay, I'll keep I'll keep track here. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, appreciate it, and we will talk to you later. Yeah, tell you later. I mean, Lee, we'll talk. We're going to call you now. Yeah, do that. Do that, Johnny. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye, bye-bye Johnny. Bye. Well, Lee, you still with me? Yes, sir. I'm still I here. I think, I guess Johnny's gone now. Johnny, can you hear me? No, okay. All right. All right. Well, well, I am so glad that I did get uh, you and uh, and johnny on together because i know your friendship goes back a long way long time long long time you know uh as i was thinking about this podcast today i personally a lot lately i've been thinking about uh, uh you know when you get to be our age lee you know certain things become kind of evident you know that we yeah. are getting older uh, that our lives are changing, that we really can't do everything that we'd like to do or that we once did. But I, I, I'm certainly not a gloom and doom guy, and I know you aren't. You're one of the most positive guys I know. And, uh, you know, everybody out there listening, if you're a young guy and you're a, uh, still in high school or college or you're newly married and just got your first job or whatever and you love the coon hunt, my only advice to you would be to to put your priorities in order, put your family first, put your church first, put your you know and and put your job, your livelihood and then if you work a good job, you know you can afford then to coon hunt. A lot of young people want to you know say, "Well, I want to be a professional coon hunter." Well, the main thing is to get education or training skills and go yeah. out there and make the money, then you can. What do you think? Well, I, yeah, I, I, was, I was lucky. And, and, and a lot of times you have to you have to have luck. I was really lucky that uh, I, I got out of school and, and had one year and, and, and had to go to work. I'm married. I had to go to work. And, and uh, we... Uh, um, Came out okay. I was well. Just turned thirty-one when uh, I had a a job at uh, a Bendix Corporation, and, and our plant manager came and sat down on my desk. I was at that time like a general supervisor, and and uh, Bendix is a huge company, Bendix Braking System, and uh, sure. told me I was going back to school, and I was fortunate that. A good guy. I got a chance to. I went to school while I was working. I would go to classes and things to to get my my degree in engineering. And 
it just opened up everything, you know, when you can, if you don't have money, you're not going to do a lot of traveling, a lot of hunting. I don't know how you can. I couldn't. Right. So I tell all the young people, yeah, you hunt, but if you hunt till two or three o'clock in the morning, uh, seven o'clock is starting time tomorrow, no matter what. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, you know, it was a, it was a given to us that if we wanted to do that and you wanted to go out and stay out all night and all, you know, when that clock went off in the morning your feet were going to hit the floor you know and you were going to go to work and i've been to work many days when i was in the military we worked uh shifts you know when i first went over Uh to japan and we'd have an after we'd have a three to eleven and eleven to seven and a seven to four and on that uh eleven to seven we called that mids or midnights and yeah. the boys would say they were bleeding, and that meant they were sitting there trying to, trying to do their job and stay awake, you know, because uh, your body never did really on that four, four, you get four on, a day off, four, you know, mids, a day off in four days. You never did quite adjust to that, you know, so boy, those midnight shifts were kind of tough. And that's kind of like later on in life when I'd be out coon hunting, you know, and, and had to get up and go to work the next day. And I'll yeah. confess I went to work at UKC many a morning. When I, I really, my head wasn't all that clear. But uh, Yeah, well, yeah. I, you, you, you had different responsibilities than I had uh, most of until I came to South Carolina. I was in management and and there was one reason I, I I came to South Carolina with the job and whatever, but uh, uh, you just uh, have responsibility. You got to be there. If you got people, at one time I was 34 years old and had 600 people uh, reporting to me, and and hmm. you you can't lay in all morning. Everything. Right. You sample that's got to be there. You 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 be there. Well, you bring up a point right there with that. Now, I th- I believe you retired with Michelin, right? Yes, I, I'm I'm retired from Michelin and I'm retired from Bendix. Both Bendix Corporation. I only had eleven years in it, Bendix, but Bendix is Bendix is a lot bigger than Michelin. Auto Light, Fram, all of that belongs uh, part of Bendix. I got you. Well, the point I want to make, and of course, Johnny was a successful businessman, had his own auto yes. uh, uh, transmission. Uh, repair business there in Tallahassee, which is a good sized city, and you know, to the people that are listening out there, you know, the old—it's kind of like you guys being accused of just being show people. When I know, and I've been witness to you hunting and hunting hard and having good dogs, top dogs, and all—and I think people tend to look at coon hunters. Oh well, you know, that's just an old. Uh, drunk from the backside of the tracks, you know, yeah. and, and all. But man, uh, think about it. I mean, professional people from all walks of life have enjoyed this sport down through the years. But most of them, I think, have been, you know, raised up somehow in it. And that's what I worry a little bit about the future. Uh, is that are these kids getting grounded? You know, at an early age. Right. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Absolutely, and 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 I know that there's people out there that uh, I I never I never bred a female. I haven't 
Steve, I'm probably having raised five or six litters of puppies in my life. That's something I, I always had, I guess, enough friends that someone had a, right. a puppy. I wanted and I had the Gary Cooks of the world and the Fred Sims of the world and, and Harold Kays that, uh, hey, you got a litter of puppies. And I never bought a puppy from those people. Uh, you know, sure. hey, you want puppies, yeah. you know, this. And that's the thing that, uh, but, you know, um, I my my first first objective was to go coon hunting at night. Not the night hunts, not the bin shows. It's to go out with my friends and 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 hunt at night, uh, uh, and then the, the showing just came part of it because I guess I, I wanted I wanted a good looking dog and I was proud to have a, a, a nice looking dog. But you know I, I've I've already had puppies out of Banjo too, Fenner River Joe, uh, Gold Creek Mundo, Frank Creek Radar, Houses Lipper. And all of them have one major show, so don't think those dogs can't can win too if you want to. <laughs> well, that's just like a who's who of coon dogs, and and yeah, from your standpoint, is that you hunted with those dogs, and you you I know, every one of them, I hunted with every one of those dogs plus other dogs that I I didn't like. You know, we were oh, and and. Uh, uh, Table Rock Flying Hawk. We just talked about Junior passing, which was so sad. Uh, Absolutely, week. and we and, we and remember to, Junior so well, and and yeah. pass our condolences to Joan and and that whole family. But yeah, yeah. But Shirley, Shirley, and Todd, and 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 I going to uh, uh, took Dinah to, to Table Rock Lake and brought her to. Uh, Flying Hawk, uh, that was Junior, Junior's daddy, Raymond Laster's uh, dog, and uh, uh, beautiful hound too, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those were dogs, you know. They were just—I don't know why do people think they're they were show dogs? They no one they showed a lot of those dogs back then, but they weren't high level uh, show dogs. But just cross the right things, and you know, like I said, I I. Um, Boomer, I didn't raise the litter that Boomer was in. Uh, uh, I didn't raise the litter that Rowdy was in. Uh, I did raise Down and Rock's litter. Right. Well, you know, looking back, uh, things may have changed somewhat now because dog shows have gotten so big and and so many people have gotten involved with it. and, And today, it's pretty much dominated by the ladies you know, in the show oh, yeah. ring anymore. But back in the day, when, when you're talking about some of these dogs, a bench show was just a spinoff of the hunt. You know, yeah. I, I, I'm like, doing if, the yeah, I can imagine, and I wasn't there, but I can imagine, you know, at some point somebody said, throw those, ball, those ball, uh, bales of hay over there and stack us. You know, put your dog up there and, and see how he compares to mine. Or, or you know, or put up a couple of cinder blocks and a tube of 12 up across it and said, and, and, you know, which one looks the best, you know. And and, and there was an evolution there. Uh, but they were hunt. My point being is those were hunting dogs and that yeah. the show was just kind of a sideline or a time killer, you know, till it got dark. And and those, uh, 
original show dogs like that, you know, that that did so well. And I'm reminded so much of of Junior. Uh, You know, my first experience uh, managing Automokes was in 1983. And, you know, the shows, especially like the Grand and the overall pick in the National Grand and all was on Sunday. And yeah. I can remember seeing Junior, and I remember yeah. seeing Squirrel Hicks, Sheila Hicks, oh, and Sheila. with Tara, and 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 Junior with that Mundo uh, Junior dog, and and all. somebody told me the other day, and I I just it's hard for me to think of the memory of Junior because I like Junior. Uh, oh, I posted I did a little oh, I, something every morning. Yeah. I know that we were uh, southeastern trend marker days, and, and this was in the eighties, back in the eighties, and and I had uh, had three dog, three male dogs in the finals, and uh, uh, I had one, and Junior had two, and uh, Junior had uh, a, a young lady there to show one of them, one of his dogs. Well, they had the benches across from each other, and Junior was showing both dogs. <laughs> they beat me, so I didn't have no. But he had he had both dogs that he had, he had his set up, and he would turn that one loose and turn right around and set the other one up from the opposite side. The young lady was on, and both dogs. I said, I I can't even get mine to show as good as both of his, and he's showing both of them. Well, somebody brought up the thing there back several years ago. Uh, the late Timothy Ball had a youth camp for yeah. coon, for the coon hunters and. Junior was giving a, a, a demonstration and a, a lecture, I guess you'd call it, on showing dogs. And I don't remember which dog he had at that time, but I imagine it was that Mundo Junior dog. And he said Junior just stacked that dog up and turned away from him and continued to talk. And for the whole 20 minutes that Junior was talking, that dog was standing there. Yeah, yeah, and didn't just, move. Yeah. Ever, ever, that's the way these were there. He turn around and set the other one up and and leave that one alone. It just, yeah. just in there, and and but that's that's how you win, see. But you have to prepare. That yes, that, the, that it, you you can't you can't win if you don't prepare to win. And 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 like the John Wooden said on a long time ago, it did. Winning is easy. It's a will to prepare to win. That's hard. Yeah, I'm reminded of Charlie Botkins from up in Michigan, Beachwood Chips yeah. dog. He'd stack dog, him yeah. like that and stand back and fold his arms. And somebody'd say, "Well, look, that guy's showing off." Well, no, he'd done his homework. You know, he yeah. had that dog prepared. You know, but I, I'm, I rem- go ahead. I remember. Uh, uh, I think it was Harold. No, Fred and I. We went up to. Uh, we were in Michigan and went hunting with Charlie. People think Charlie Botkin didn't hunt. Charlie Botkin's good hunting. He, 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 he oh, absolutely he did. Absolutely hunting. he did. A great guy, too. I oh, haven't yeah. seen Charlie in, in quite a while. Yeah. I hope he's doing well. Well, Lee, uh, we've been at this here about, about oh, I don't know, uh, an hour and 20 some minutes and I really appreciate you coming on. I've been for a long time. I've wanted to get you and Johnny on together and we haven't scratched the surface on all the stories. So I think we got Johnny wound up a little bit. I believe he'll 
come back on with us and we'll do another one. Would you be willing to do that? Yeah, I hope so. Uh, I hope so. Johnny and Quita just so terrific. And along with others, you know, I can sit here and I'm just thinking about all the people that that have that are not showing now. They were showing then, and the new ones that come on. Uh, uh, the the people that, like you're saying, the the ladies, they were dedicated, and and they don't. They don't have to do it today. Yeah, you people out there that just starting out, they they don't they don't hunt these dogs today like we did in those days. But it's hard to go to a hunt and, and not have someone that should show a dog that never been hunting. They all those dogs had, had been hunting. I wouldn't yeah. compete against someone that hadn't done the same thing. Johnny hunted his dogs. I, I hunted with Son. Well, Son, but he took Son the night we were at Autumn Dog. We were talking about that hunt. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, Lee, the purpose in this podcast for me is to record these stories and to get them. And and if if nothing else, that the families would be able to look back on these interviews and so forth and and how (laughs) I would love to have, you know, something like that from my dad and my mom. You know, I used to sit with my mom and she'd tell those old stories of growing up in a coal camp in West Virginia, you know. And and I they're timeless. They're precious. They're priceless. And going forward, I'm going to record as many uh, conversations like this as I can until I get too old so that <laughs> they can be saved. And I can do longer than they can get It won't be. I better hurry up. <laughs> yeah. Well, Liz, uh, yeah. I, I, one one thing, Steve. Yeah. Back in somewhere ninety three, ninety four, uh, Todd, you were with UKC, and he asked me to do a, I don't know what you would call it, a thing on the shows and how they, uh, what we need to change and things. And last week when uh, Fred passed away, or last month, I, I we were looking for pictures here, and I found this thing that I, I'm going to bring it to you at Autumn's Oak. I got it in my truck and it just, uh, Todd had asked like six questions about changes or this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, I Todd tell them written, you're speaking. Yeah. Of, yeah, right? I, yeah. Mm-hmm. I had handwritten this stuff and, uh, um, oh, yeah. I got to look at it and, and just the, what has changed since then. And, and, uh, uh, I'm, I had a secretary at Michelin and she was on vacation this week and that Todd wanted this stuff. I don't know whether he ever published it in the magazines or not, but I'm going to bring it to you. I want you to look at it. Sure. It shows how they, what they were then versus now. And it, it was just surprising to me that, hey, did that happen, you know? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm so thankful to have been able to been in probably the best seat in the house, sitting behind the mic at a lot of those major shows with the dogs we've been talking about here. And, uh, and, you know, it's such a privilege it was. And I will give a plug here. Uh, Alan Gingrich, who is the honcho of the field ops department there at UKC, is doing a special podcast at Autumn Oaks. Well, now this podcast here will air on Monday Prior to Autumn Oaks, Autumn Oaks will start on uh-huh. Thursday with the yeah. duels uh, hunt and so forth. But anyway, it's 70 years of night hunting 
at UKC. Wow. And wow. we're going to go back over a lot of the history and uh, and all. And uh, I was really honored by uh, that Alan would ask me, and I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And that will be, I'm sure they'll probably air it, uh, I imagine, right after Autumn Oaks. So yep. that's something that listeners can look forward to. Well, yeah, Lee, two, yeah. two things, two things that, that, uh, that I, I was honored to, and, and I don't know why, but I was selected, but whatever. And, and I told you last year uh, they had the first uh, Beagle uh, World Championship, UKC Beagle. And, and, and Todd called me and asked me to go judge it. And Charlie and I went to open North Carolina and judge that. I said, I've never judged a show. And he said, well, he wanted a breed standard to stick, sort of like the trend marker, you know, that whole thing. And then, guess what? About a, three weeks ago, he called me, and the, the first national brace, I don't know what, how exactly the legal terms is. Well, uh, that's where uh, they run two dogs together. It, is, in, mm-hmm. is, in, is in October, and he's called me to go judge it. And I'm, I look forward to judging it. Well, sure. People. Absolutely. They, these are it's all these dogs are hunted in a hunt, and they got to be hunted to full time, not entered, unless they're picked up. Uh, they they got to compete. Yeah, and, and I meant to touch on that when I was talking about those, you know, putting the dogs up on a hay bale or cinder blocks in a two by twelve. You know, back in my, those days my, in my, the fall. I'm first experienced at Autumn Oak in Greencastle there in that one building is they had a, a, a stove in there. It was cold that weekend, Labor Day weekend, <laughs> and they had a fire going in the stove, and they had about 25 foot of, of, of cinder block, did you say, and the bench was up on those blocks. Yeah, and yeah. It goes there. You you walk through the, the show arena there, the venue there in uh, Richmond. You wouldn't um, even think that ever came from yeah, yeah. the roots yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we still had the old benches. UKC used to have those long benches, and Fred had had them covered in a plaid carpet. I don't know if you ever remember showing on those or not, but oh, yeah. they were long benches, you know, and the handlers oh, yeah. started wanting to be able to move around. Well, it came from the fact that these judges, rather than walking around the bench and going and look on the other side, they'd make the guy to have the dog all stacked up just right, and then they'd make him turn it around. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and I thought, man. So that's yeah. what brought about those individual benches. And I was <laughs> at, yeah. And, you know, judging these shows and everything, and I, and I tell I tell the young people this, and you know we did a couple of seminars and things on you they could see, but you know that your job as a judge is to pick the dog, and please don't ever don't start picking people. I mean sometimes I see that, but uh, or I think I see that, and but uh, the thing that uh, you pick the dog when the first time you see him, you know. Yeah. And well, tell these young people to. Hey, be prepared. Don't stand there and wait on the judge to come and look at your dog. You don't know what corner of his eye he's looking at your dog. Yeah. And and a 10-minute dog show is just too long because every judge has already picked them in the first two or three minutes. Well, I'm sure. And, uh, uh, it makes me feel good. Thing. Yeah, don't, I don't. was given comments at the American Plot Association show this last spring. They asked me to judge one day. 
And my buddy, uh, Mark Miller from North Carolina, who uh, he and I partner on this little plot dog, and after the show, he, he said, just pick the dog, cut, you know, cut all the commentary down. He said, you know which one you like. Just just put the trophy down. I said, no, those people like their, their eight minutes of fame or whatever it is, you know. But, yeah, but- well, they, they 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 paid their entry fee, and they entitled to display their dog for the people. That's right. Well, Lee, you and I have got to do another podcast just talking about all this Ben Choate stuff because there's a wealth of knowledge there. I remember specifically when I was with AKC, I believe, yeah, that we went there to Newport, Tennessee, and you put on a seminar for the youth there. They had a big youth hunt that day, and and you mentioned uh, your uh, Tommy Lanning you mentioned earlier and Tommy's daughter just got married and I remember oh, she was oh, showing a dog I believe uh, which which dog was, was Lauren little showing? Bell. Little Bell Little Bell, uh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well there's we want to wish uh, Lauren and her husband a, a happy life and uh, what a, a, a beautiful oh, young lady she is and Tommy's yeah, my it, buddy he and I've Hunt a, occasionally pleasure hunt at Autumn Oaks and and yeah. also just a great great family. Um, Tommy uh, came to my house. He was like in high school, and I just moved down here. And he found out I was hunting, and he came to my house and 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 I would go pick him up and take him coon hunting and take his coon hunting. And we traveled all over the country. He he won Autumn's Oak at sixteen years old, best female of the show, showing Jake's dog. Yeah, and and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. He, he he was he's a competitor. Tommy's the oh, Tommy, yeah. yeah. And Lauren, Lauren was a competitor too. Oh yeah. But she had to get that hair combed and fixed and everything before <laughs> she could. Well, uh, Lee, I told you the hey, audience that we were going to no, talk. Let's go, Lauren. Let's go. Yeah. You know. <laughs> and 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 her her her, her husband <laughs> brother married him. So her uh-huh. brother married him. He's a preacher. Her brother-in-law. I got you. That's interesting. Well, when you get old guys like us together, we tend to talk over each other every once in a while because we really don't hear as good as we used to. But, man, it's been a great conversation. I've enjoyed every minute of it and, and with Johnny. And, yeah, it's been terrific. And I'm looking forward to seeing you at Autumn Oaks. And, and by the time this thing airs. Be there airs, next Thursday. Huh? Next Thursday. Be there. My, my darling sweet wife is a... Uh, Getting better and better each day. And, well, that's uh, great. She's in probably in there right now fixing me an egg sandwich. Well, you better get it uh, and, no. and get after it. And I, I, we got up before breakfast to do this one this morning. Yeah, and I, I appreciate you getting up early and uh, and, yeah. uh, and 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 it's fun. been a good one for my one hundredth uh, podcast. We're gone to the dogs. I've, I've been so honored to have. Lee Kearns and Johnny Brinkley with me. And folks, I'm going to wrap this one up for this week. Hope to see all of you at Autumn Oaks. We'll be there in the headquarters building right by the UKC headquarters in the tent. You'll see the Gone to the Dogs banners and come by and we'll put the headsets on and we'll we'll record your story while you're there. If anybody asks you where's Steve Fielder these days, tell him, well, that old dude, he's he's gone up there to Indiana to to Autumn Oaks. He's gone to the dogs. 
Welcome to the Doge. That's right. Steve, I've got a parking place for you if you need it. Appreciate it, Lee. Bye now. Thank you.